0: Go deep in the genealogies and you'll find a lot of wisdom and truth and hope and and in Jesus' genealogy, like prophecies about what he will do in the future, not just who he's descended from, but the hopes that this kind of person might bring and all that's included in the genealogies that you'll see in Genesis. Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a ministry that's dedicated to speaking the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. In Luke 24, Jesus told His disciples that every part of the Bible was about Him. So each week, hosts David and Seth work through a passage of Scripture to see how it's all about Jesus and His good news. Let's jump in.
1: Welcome everyone to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I am David, son of Trey, son of <laughs> Earl, son of I. I'm now out of my genealogy. <laughs> your, <laughs> your genealogy, but we're talking about the opening of Matthew today, yeah, and the genealogy that opens it, and why it is the coolest thing ever. How are you feeling, Seth?
0: I'm I'm feeling really excited. I love the beginnings of our study in Matthew yes, for a that couple was different reasons. So much fun. Because one, I feel like I, we can slow down yeah, and like, let's just live in this book and his world and how he read an entire book of the Bible and let's just do it real slow. Yeah. So I'm just enjoying that idea.
1: Yeah. Our, our podcast pace has been pretty quick through books lately
0: and uh, or lately for uh, like four years. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just feeling a lot of joy thinking like, man, I'm just going to soak in 15 verses of different names for a while and yeah. figure out why that's amazing. Yeah. So I'm enjoying the new pace. I'm also just really enjoying learning how to read my Old Testament like m- the Apostle Matthew did. Yeah,
1: you and I have been kind of ruminating on how fun it is to be like the Old Testament according to Matthew. Right,
0: and I kind of forget that the apostles, the disciples, r- were, were Bible readers, <laughs> uh, and they Understood them probably better than me because oh, yeah. they were reading them in a, the right in the, in the, time frame. In the same right time, time frame, frame. Yeah. you know, like ha- we're closer connected to the culture and the ideas present. In the language. In the language. But they were also the first ones to explain how scriptures were about Jesus. Right. And I'm like, man, I've, I've forgotten that I can learn yeah. a Bible study methodology from the authors of the Bible That's right. and not just learn facts about Jesus from them.
1: Yeah, it's a helpful thing to flag to say that the New Testament authors are, in a sense, and I'm not trying to belittle or reduce the New Testament in any way with this statement, but in a way the New Testament is like a commentary on the Old Testament. Right. It's saying, here's what was happening in this book of the Bible or this movement Mm -hmm. of God or this story in the Old Testament, and what we can do if we pay attention is they are teaching us the tools— of how to do Old Testament biblical interpretation now that Jesus has come. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do here in this study Mm -hmm. is sit with Matthew and let him teach us how to read the Old Testament now that the Messiah Jesus has come and the gospel Mm -hmm. is being proclaimed.
0: Yes, and we set up in the first podcast that Matthew has structured his gospel to parrot or to match beat for beat the entire history of Israel, starting in the book of Genesis and ending in the book of Chronicles.
1: Which is where the Hebrew Bible ended. Which is
0: where the Hebrew Bible ended. And so today we're going to start at the very beginning of the book of Matthew, and he takes us all the way back to the book of Genesis with a long list of names and a genealogy.
1: And I should probably say, when I say that the Hebrew Bible ended in Chronicles, I don't mean that it stopped like halfway through your Bible, where your Bible goes. (laughs) The books are in different order. That's right. So that all the same books are there that are in your yep. Bible, but it just ends, instead of Malachi, it ends with Chronicles. Yes. That, was, that could have been confusing. People are yes. like, wait, they don't have the, every book? What about Psalms? But, but yeah. So, okay, so we're going all the way back now to the book of Genesis, mm-hmm. and we start with a genealogy.
0: So let's start with what is a genealogy, and why are they important? <laughs> okay. Uh, is that a question? It's a question, a sincere question. Like, How would you answer that question? I mean, <laughs> unprepared.
1: Unprepared, I would, I would say a list a, a genealogy is a list like it's a family tree yeah right like a genealogy is a family tree tracing a particular descendant back up the tree to their great 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 grandfather yes you know it's what people do on ancestry.com yes and it's so you know where you came from yeah that's what i think when i think of genealogy that's what i think of
0: right and there's a whole bunch implied in that right it's not just a list of names but like a story oh my great great grandfather immigrated from italy oh the year after world war one started and Mm. then he moved to ellis island and they were in new york and then the thing says you know however yeah. you know, it's, it's like, true it's like those
1: those the ancestry.com commercials they never just show like what see what our tool can do for you and it's just a list of names right it's a story and it's someone reliving and walking in and telling the story of their ancestors and yeah. finding their position in it so yeah a genealogy is a truncated story across multiple generations that's right and okay that's cool
0: and it's a story about in the case of ancestry.com it's like it's a story about you it's your story it's your family's story The story of who you are told over hundreds of years or multiple decades. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 Also, this is not a sponsored podcast by Ancestry. Yeah. Uh, But yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of where I think we, how I, I guess, in our in our time, we see Ancestry that we see genealogies, and I should probably say from a Western perspective, especially yeah, family. Who your great-great-grandma was probably matters more to other cultures than it does to our culture. Yeah. Although we're tapping into something missing, I think, with you know all those DNA movements and everything. Mm-hmm. But is that proper to import that onto the biblical author's view of genealogies? Do they have that same kind of thing or something different
0: going on? Well, I think it's a good place to start. Like, what are our own assumptions about genealogies? Yeah. Because I think that's like, oh, a genealogy tells me the story of me, the right. story of my family. Who and the I other am, where I came from. Right. And the other misconception or the other like assumption we have about genealogies is we are to name it. It's just a list. Mm-hmm. Right?
1: Oh, it's just a boring thing that it's, could get passed over because right. I don't know, is this just like the Ellis Island census and it doesn't it's just there yeah. as a record and I right. can skip it to start the real story? Yeah. Yeah. So I
0: think we have like we're naming like how do we approach genealogies right. as a starting point for like, well, how does the Bible think about genealogies? Mm-hmm. Or just lists of names. And I think our assumption is a, a genealogy is not high art, <laughs> Oh, right? Sure. It's not, it doesn't serve a purpose except to edify me in particular or to chart a family tree with an obscene amount of detail, right? Let's I mean,
1: yeah, if, if what you just said is that genealogy could probably tell me a story if I know that who the characters are or it's just charting a family tree. You're right, I'm definitely not assuming, neither did I even have a category to think I should assume that it's what you said, high art. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not, no, I'm not bringing, you are correct. (laughs) That is an alien thought to me when I think about genealogy. I'm not like, oh, what a well-crafted, beautiful use of
0: names. Yes. I did
1: not even know, is that, is there something on the line there? Yeah, so we'll
0: talk about it, but genealogies throughout scripture are incredibly Intricately designed pieces of literature. Mm. Not to take away from earlier in the podcast, but an idea is that you'll have a genealogy functions around a certain set of numbers. Okay. So, for example, this genealogy is based around units of 14, Mm -hmm. three generations of 14. And other genealogies are based around the number seven. Mm. And then normally the number seven will be a very important figure in that genealogy. And then the final. The final seven. The final seven is really significant. So, uh-huh. like they're intricately structured pieces of literature that not only tell you a genealogy or a story of somebody, right. But they tell you who to focus in on in oh, that story. I see. So they're high art in that way. They're intricately designed, like a like a great painting will have a
1: focal point. Yeah. You know, like I, I can't remember what type of painting it is. I'm definitely not a visual arts expert, but I, I think it's some type of Renaissance painting or something. Okay. The central figure is the one that all the other figures are looking at. Okay. Yeah. So you'll be like mm-hmm. a dinner party scene, you know, mm-hmm. by, by Renoir or something. And everyone's looking somewhere. And all the people who are looking also are a little darker. Yep. But the one they're looking at has a little bit more light on his face. Mm-hmm. And there's something significant about where he is in the painting, what he's doing, what he's wearing, why he's there yeah. that the artist is trying to draw your attention to. So what you're saying is that all the other number one through six yeah <laughs> they are the, the the characters in the painting that are looking at something yes and the artist of the genealogy is trying to draw our attention to this central figure yeah and that's typically what's happening yeah they're all there part of the story they're all right. part of the picture mm-hmm. but it's doing more than just and this one and this one and mm-hmm. this one and this one yes you're looking at a, a broader picture that's drawing your attention somewhere that's right I've never thought to look at a genealogy like a renaissance painting or something yeah so
0: you should be paying attention to the numbers of a genealogy and who's in the numbers not just the names in a genealogy a hebrew mind or a person reading the bible at matthew's time would have also had the understanding that a genealogy could prove your qualifications Mm. so a priest had to be descended from the line of aaron right a king of israel was supposed to descend from David, in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, they had long genealogies to prove if they were truly Israelites. Right, yeah. Like there was a sense in which a genealogy proved you were qualified to a particular task. Yeah, that's right. It even, like in numbers,
1: determined who was going to be a part of the group of people that didn't get land,
0: the Levites. Yep, that's and right. It was like, okay, who's your dad? <laughs> yep. Yeah. That's right. All right. Genealogies are also full of like relational clues. Or hints. What, like, dad? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe that's not the best way to say it, but the example that I have in front of me right here is that we're told that Sidon Uh, uh is the firstborn son of Canaan, who, in Scripture, okay? So Sidon is the firstborn son of Canaan. Canaan gave birth to the Canaanite civilization that Uh was famously terrible, and his firstborn son is Sidon. But there's also a whole group of people named the Sidonians. Uh Uh-huh. And so, when we're introduced to a character in scripture called Jezebel, we're told that she's a Sidonian. Mm. And so, it actually tells us a lot about that character before we even hear her story. Oh. So, it can function as like a literary foreshadowing of something. I see. So, you include a detail of somebody's genealogy to tell you something about that person. Mm. Jezebel is a, a descendant of the Canaanites. And in more particular, a firstborn son of the descendant of the Canaanites. Mm -hmm. That should tell you something about Jezebel before the story even starts. You're primed to read her story differently. Yeah. Another way that it happens is when we're introduced to the Philistines of Scripture, Mm -hmm. we're told they're descendants of the Egyptians. Oh. Which should tell you a whole bunch about their relationship with Israel. Right. So genealogies are also ways to clue us in on different kinds of relationships between the people and the story that they're a part of. And can I ask
1: a question here yeah. that maybe people are asking the the biblical authors I'm guessing aren't saying like well you know who their dad was the apple didn't fall far from the tree you know like father like son mm-hmm. if that's where you came from if you if you're descended from Egypt you are going to be a terrible person it's in your genes yeah, yeah yeah they are not doing like dna pigeonholing no they are telling a literary story to mm-hmm. foreshadow Yeah. It's like, I think it's closer probably to maybe you meet a new character. I always go to Star Wars. (laughs) You meet a new character in Star Wars, maybe you've never met before. And in the score, you hear a little bit of the Imperial March. And you're like, oh, I bet this guy is tied to to the Empire. And he's a bad dude.
0: Yeah. That's the function of it. It's not to diminish somebody down to their ethnicity right or the co- yeah or i just kind of i from. could feel people thinking that but it's like it's like oh we know the sidonians were bad guys the last story we heard about them was the sidonians being terrible yeah. and then jezebel comes to the scene well those things i have categories and those things right. in my they mind they speak to each other it's yeah. a recurring musical theme that's right okay and the egyptians were the slave masters of israel so it's significant that the main enemy of israel is yet again the Philistines. Yeah. See it again, Egypt. They're stuck in the same battle they've always been stuck in. Yeah. The imperial march keeps playing. Why can't it stop? Mm-hmm. Like it adds to the dramatic tension. It's it's a function of it being high art. It's like yeah. Another
1: time that reared its head that we talked about that feels like a deep cut that proves the point. Yeah, is when we were in Esther. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone wants to talk about Esther. You know, as the central figure, and yeah, of course she was amazing. Like we're not belittling that, but there was this really intense battle going on between Mordecai and Haman. Oh yes. And we learn that the reason why that battle's so intense is because of where they are descended from. Mm-hmm. We get a brief genealogy. Yeah. That Mordecai the Jew was descended from King Saul and Haman was a descendant of Agag? Uh, King Agag. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a battle way back in the day mm-hmm. that Saul screwed up. Mm-hmm. And so now the question is, this is happening
0: again. Will Haman right. and Mordecai have the same outcome? The battle's yeah. happening again. Who's gonna win? And that genealogical detail gives you much of the dramatic tension between Haman and Mordecai. And if you miss that detail, you're missing the high art of that moment. Ah. These things are intricately designed for you to pick up on some of these clues. So So that's what genealogies are
1: doing in biblical literature. Yeah. And they do one more thing.
0: Okay, go. And this, they also include a ton of theology. Oh, okay. They teach us things about God himself or about the way that God's people should understand the world.
1: You're going to have to give me an example. Yeah. So
0: the genealogy in Genesis 10, for example, lists 70 nations descended from Noah. Right. For much of the rest of scripture, all of the rest of scripture, the number 70 is now shorthand for all the nations of the world, Mm -hmm. all the Gentile nations of the world. So maybe not theology proper, but like genealogies give us categories to understand the biblical world better. 70 is now shorthand for. The nations. Uh-huh. So, oh, that's interesting. And that's because of a genealogy. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. The genealogies are loading
1: up meaning for us and then unpacking meaning for us mm-hmm. way more than most modern readers are prepared for.
0: Yes. Maybe this is more theology proper then. Okay. So there is a whole book of the Bible called the Book of Numbers. Right. <laughs> full of genealogies and lists and censuses, Sensei. There's actually only two. But that's <laughs> I, what they're named after. after. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I wrote the,
1: the, the devos for Numbers, I was like, like, the book of Numbers isn't quite aptly named. <laughs> that's true. There's only right. like two censuses. You're right. And other than that, it's actually a crazy narrative. It is. But it's yes, mostly about. But there are ginormous, hard
0: to read yes. <laughs> censuses and genealogies in there. But here's what's interesting. Mm-hmm. One of those censuses was at the beginning of their wilderness wanderings. Right. And
1: one was at the end. Yeah, and one measured how many people were there of the old generation who would die in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. and the second one measured the people who were going to be the spiritual successors, their children.
0: And what's fascinating is for all the calamity that happened in the wolves' wilderness years, the population totals are about the same. Yeah. God preserved his people through the wilderness, just like he promised. Yeah. And more than that, a lot of the numbers in the book Of numbers, the census numbers in the book of numbers are multiples or copies of astronomical or ancient astrological numbers, Mm. which means that the author of Numbers was mindful of God's promise to Abraham that said, your descendants will be like the stars in the sky. Mm -hmm. And so he has parroted his genealogy, Mm -hmm. or he's made his genealogy prove the point that God has been faithful to his promises, not just by keeping the populations Mm -hmm. the same before and after calamity, but by making the genealogies fit the astronomical signs of their day. Right yeah that
1: is numbers doing theology that is
0: yeah that is a genealogy doing theology
1: yeah that's cool
0: and then another example would be in the genealogy of chronicles okay Uh, it's nine chapters long the genealogy (laughs) is is nine nine chapters chapters long (laughs) but it's organized like a mountain or a v okay where the beginning begins with adam and Uh it ends with the exile of god's people so it's all of israel's history Mm. but the very center Very top of the mountain, the very center of the literary unit, focuses on the descendants of the Levites. Huh. The entire history of God's people centers around the worship of God and the temple. Wow. And what sends people away from God's presence in the temple? The the destruction of the temple. The destruction of the temple. Mm. So that is the book of Chronicles teaching us something about the way that God interacts with his people throughout history.
1: Wow. Okay. So. Genealogies do a lot more than I thought. Right. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And so. I hope that prepares us to th- look at the book of Matthew yeah. and see like, so what is Matthew doing with all the details that he gives us in his genealogy?
1: Okay, so that's what genealogies do in the biblical literature Mm
0: -hmm. a little bit more than what we do with a a little bit more (laughs) yeah it's better than
1: just like oh like who am i like what country am i from who am i I? I?" (laughs) really that we said okay that's how matthew starts but we also said that matthew goes beat for beat throughout the whole old testament and the reason he opens up his gospel with a genealogy is to echo the book of Genesis, because Mm -hmm. the book of Genesis opens up with a lot of genealogies. Yeah. Uh, Even the word Genesis, I think we mentioned this in the last Matthew episode, is that the word Genesis is like the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so the beginnings are then unpacked through genealogies. Yeah. And so I think before we jump into Matthew, we probably need to understand what... What's he riffing on? What's he riffing on? Like what are genealogies doing functionally in the book of Genesis? Yes. So the
0: first time we get the word genealogy or the word record. It's Genesis 2. Mm. In chapter 4 it says, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. Matthew opens up his gospel the same way. This is the record of the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. So he's borrowing that same sentence structure and where Genesis has creation of the earth, Mm -hmm. Matthew has Jesus the Messiah. Yeah. The record of the creation of the earth versus the record of the Messiah. Right. So he's like, the Messiah is recreating the world. That's his understanding.
1: Oh, I see. Right. So Okay, so part of the reason you're saying Matthew's riffing on this is because when he parrots the language of Genesis, he's doing it in the context of the creation narrative where the mm-hmm. world was made. Yep. And so he's saying a new creation is about to come. God's about to remake the world. He's bringing Eden back. He's mm-hmm. going to start the story again. Yep. You could scratch out the word Matthew and put the word Genesis, and theologically that would make sense. Yeah, because this is the new beginning of the story. Yeah, not that anyone should deface their Bibles or, or change right. the name. Of them, <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so this is a new creation yeah. that Jesus is starting. That's cool. In his messiahship. Uh, can I ask you a question about chapter one? Yeah, I mean one chapter just, one of Genesis. Of Genesis. Yeah,
1: because I mean one. The you know, in the beginning of the first mm-hmm. words, that is the word Genesis. Mm-hmm. That's where we get the word Genesis, the blaskanasios. Yeah, because yeah. a, a lot of times, um, our names for our the first five books of our Bible, uh, not every time, but a lot of times just come from the first word, yeah, uh, or that or those were the traditional Hebrew names of the books, where yes, the first word of the scroll, mm-hmm. and so that's what Matthew is doing when mm-hmm. he says the beginning of the genealogy, he's just quoting also mm-hmm. chapter one, verse one, yes, which is cool to get us into the Genesis thing. But one thing I think about with Genesis and genealogy is I think about the seeds and what's the language? Each one after their own kind.
0: Yeah. Oh, right, right.
1: The fish and the birds and the vegetation and Adam and Eve they all have this... They reproduce after their own they kind. They reproduce after their own kind. They they have this kind of poetic genealogy happening mm-hmm. that creates the flourishing of the world. Mm-hmm. And so there seems to be like some other right. less mechanical genealogy
0: happening that I've always yeah. kind of meditated on. And I, I didn't know if Matthew's trying that's to put anything on there or if that's just cool. I don't know. I mean... What's interesting about Genesis, it's it's the beginning of all genealogies. Right. So Adam and Eve, the first fish, the first two deer, are the beginning of all the genealogies. Yeah. They're the very beginning of it all. Right. Thematically, yeah. it makes total sense that, oh, Genesis begins with the genealogy of all created things, where all created things came from, the yeah. word of God.
1: It's also interesting to think about like the, the genealogy doesn't just affect human beings. You know, yeah. I think we can be kind of anthropocentric yeah. in salvation. Where yeah. It's all about humans. Right. And the story of genealogy actually right. involves all creation, that yeah. the oceans will be recreated and the forests and yeah. God loves the whole earth. Yes. and is recreating it through what's happening in Matthew's yeah. story with the Messiah.
0: Right. The book of beginnings of the Messiah uh-huh. is a book of the beginnings, of the, a whole new created world, yeah. not just created humans, but a whole new created world that will come when he comes yeah. again.
1: Okay, so what's our next way station then in Genesis genealogy uh, land?
0: Well, it would be in Genesis chapter 5 is the next Genealogy. Okay. I had a question yeah. then,
1: because the, the the genealogy that we picked up then in chapters one and two, mm-hmm. these are the generations of the earth and mm-hmm. the world is being created and the fish and all the land and Adam yeah. and Eve, they're all being created. And then it seems like the genealogy of Adam and Eve mm-hmm. gets like a curse on it Yes, in chapter three. Oh, yes, in chapter three. Right, because God puts enmity mm-hmm. between like the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman and you get these like two rival genealogies mm-hmm, that grow out of mm-hmm. yeah what should have been one right. great family tree right and now there's two mm-hmm. and one is going to be the family tree of the serpent and one's going to be the family tree of Eve yeah and it's just interesting then that what is the biggest battle on the line in the opening pages of Genesis are two rival genealogies. I understand. It's like yeah. you've got the world and Satan versus mm-hmm. his remnant and God, mm. and it's like two genealogies fighting yeah. each other, and that's the drama of the mm. Bible. Is like which genealogy mm-hmm. is going to win? Is the seed yeah. of Serpent going to win out and eat the child, <laughs> or right. are yeah, that definitely gets win?
0: picked up really explicitly in Noah's genealogy, mm. especially. In Genesis 5, we have, like, Adam's family line, so presumably the seed of the seed of the woman, the genealogy of the woman, right? Mm-hmm. What's heartbreaking is it's not a genealogy of life like in Genesis 1. It's a genealogy of death. Oh, it's right. It's just telling us that every descendant after Eve dies. Yeah, um, which can be confusing
1: because I get sidetracked when I read chapter yeah. 5 because <laughs> it's l- like, oh, and he lived 912 years, <laughs> yeah, and he lived yeah. 815 years, and I'm just like, how did they live that long i wonder what happened when did people stop living that long and i'm missing yes. the point there
0: right yeah we talked about this way, way back. back in our genesis episode but like these are supposed to be the first humans these were in in ancient society the first humans were like were like gods yeah the first generations were like supernatural beings right and if you go read some ancient literature the first humans in the mesopotamian and ed- epics the first kings of the Mesopotamian epics lived thousands and thousands and thousands of years right
1: so 815 is like you died as a two-year-old right so
0: th- an ancient mind would have read this like why are they dying so quickly what is up with these
1: uh um, these feeble gods it, right
0: and more more importantly than even like comparing it to ancient literature is that the most repeated word in this is death right like which is really
1: interesting because like I look at the Matthew genealogy, It's and isn't it begat? He was born. There's life, and there's life, mm-hmm. and there's life. But yeah. then this one's like, and he died, and it's a Debbie Downer of genealogies.
0: Yes, it is. Yeah, and he died, and he died. It's mm. the drumbeat of death after the fall. Yeah. Yeah, and then we have another genealogy in Genesis as well, the one in Genesis 10, where mm-hmm. it's the 70 nations of the world. Right. And this is where we also start to get the seed of the serpent come in to full effect. We have whole nations. Mm-hmm. This is where... Canaan and Sidon and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites, the enemies of God, are finally popping up in the genealogy even of God's people.
1: Right, and we're gonna—he's gonna lay out this table of nations, the Mm seventy families, and then in in twelve we're gonna zoom in on one tiny part of this huge table of nations in Abraham, Mm -hmm. and then we're only gonna follow his family tree out. Yeah, which is like. Really, good, now that I'm trying to view genealogy as yeah. art, yeah, is really good art because yes. you've got this drama happening between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. And by chapter ten, the seed of the of the, of the serpent has like 69 maybe mm-hmm. families, and, right. and there maybe is there one? Which one is the seed of the woman? Right, it's getting swallowed up in the yeah. sheer volume of mm-hmm. names, and then we meet. Oh, there's one. It's Abraham.
0: I think we've more than proven our point that <laughs> genealogies have a lot going on in them, and we should be paying attention to them. It's really cool. And I would like to start talking about Matthew's genealogy. I, mean, I guess we so should, cool. <laughs> since the title of this
1: episode is going to have something to do with Matthew.
0: Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so let's start at the very end of Matthew's genealogy, where he says this in verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations, from David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations and from the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. So
1: three sets of 14 generations mm-hmm. going all the way from Abraham to Jesus. That's
0: right. So why is he doing that? It is, is the probably, question.
1: probably science,
0: probably science. <laughs> so what's interesting is that in order, if you just read the names, there's more than three sets of 14 names. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more names in that in each genealogy. So you kind of have to read between the lines in order to get 14 names in each genealogy. Right. Here's what I mean by that. In the first set of 14, you have to count both Abraham and David's name. But in the second list, to get 14 names, you have to exclude David's name. Right. And then in the third list, you have to count both Jeconiah and Jesus, the one who it's all leading to, to get to 14. So I guess the question is, why not just have three really clear lists of 14 different names? Yeah. Yeah. It's the answer is because Matthew is structuring his genealogy after the way Chronicles structured its genealogy in the first nine chapters. He's riffing again. He's riffing again. And Chronicles is a genealogy based in units of 14 around the entire history of God from Adam to the exile. So when people say that, because
1: I've heard this before, mm-hmm. that people are like, Matthew must have been like the worst mathematician ever. right? Because he can't do simple addition. He can't just count numbers. Yes. <laughs> it's like, no, stop having chronological snobbery. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew's he, not a bad mathematician. He's a phenomenal linguist.
0: <laughs> he's giving you all the names you need right. to give you an accurate history, but he's also counting them differently than would be intuited so that you would know he's riffing on the book of Chronicles, yep. which is trying to give you a picture of the entire world, right. which means that Matthew wants you to see his genealogy as a summary of the history of the entire world that leads up to Jesus, the child born to Mary. Mm-hmm. So the reason why he's structuring his genealogy off the book of Chronicles is because he wants you to see Jesus as the summation and climax of all of the world, all of Israel's history.
1: Okay, Does that make sense? It does, but let me, let me hone in. Yeah. Because... I think there's so many arguments around this passage that I'm just familiar with. Okay. Like, one is, add up all these generations, there's no way they span the amount of history Mm -hmm. from Abraham to Jesus. Yeah. The the timeline just doesn't match. Right. And even what you said, like, yeah, totally, it took Chronicles nine chapters to do what Matthew did in half a chapter. Yep. So, what's going on there? Yeah. Is, Is he skipping... He's skipping generations, he's jumping time. Like mm-hmm. I think for somebody in the, the the age of written modern history, yeah. It's like something wrong feels like it's going on for most right. modern readers. Because we're assuming
0: he's doing it maliciously or out of a lack of knowledge. Yeah, he's,
1: he's yeah, he's dumb or he's he's trying to mess with history.
0: No, he's doing that those things intentionally. Mm-hmm. He has chosen representative names mm-hmm. to give you the sense of a person's history. And to highlight certain people in that history, but also to exclude on purpose certain people. Right. So let me let's go to the exclusion. So why leave out some names that should be there? Sure. Is one of the questions. The most notable exception of the people that he has left out are all of the descendants associated with King Ahab. Mm. King Ahab was a member of the King David's family tree. And so he should be included in the lineage of anybody associated with King David. But what's fascinating is if you read the book of Kings, there is only one ruling queen in Judah's history, but, and her name is Athaliah, Okay. but the author of Kings, you know what he does to prove that she's not a true ruler of Israel? I do not, actually. She, he refuses to give her a genealogy. Mm. All the other rulers of Israel are given genealogies. He's the son of this person, the son of this person. Athaliah is never given that. She's the only monarch to have no genealogy, so Matthew does to the descendants of Ahab what the author of Kings did to the de- the kings that came after Ahab. Mm. He wrote them out of history, not wow. true people of the line of David.
1: That is brilliant, right? It's super brilliant. Yeah,
0: that and is crazy. I was going to save this one for later, but we're because we're here Let's now. Let's go. Um, so it's significant then is he he leaves out three or four generations of names. Mm. So there was, I forget all the different names, but there's Athaliah, and there's Joram, and Joash, and Mm -hmm. Amaziah, and a whole bunch of others. Okay, Uh, But he leaves three or four generations out, and they are judged unworthy of being included in God's family tree, the family of David's tree. So why three or four generations? Well, because that's exactly how God describes himself in the book of Deuteronomy. Stop. God (laughs) God says that He will hold accountable the The, the guilty, the guilty, to the third and fourth generation. But His love towards His people will extend for (laughs) thousands of generations. So Matthew, in his genealogy, is reflecting the character of God. Oh my God! He's judging those unworthy, leading us to Jesus. So which makes Jesus the historical and genealogical proof. That God extends his love for thousands of generations.
1: That is incredible. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so that's why he's skipping over names. Yeah. <laughs> is to, to tell us making story. better so points. He's making better points than yeah. just like, yes, I'm an accurate historian who can give you a list of names that you could just look up in chronicles yes that would be pointless he's like you you want a list of names from this person to this person it already exists mm-hmm. i'm not doing history here i'm doing theology yes so pay attention yes stop quibbling about the stuff that doesn't matter and l- try to look and pay attention to what i'm does. trying
0: to reveal god in the flesh to you yeah. in the genealogical <laughs> flesh to you so let me do it <laughs>
1: I guess the other question I would have is, why introduce Jesus? Like, If you sat down, you're Matthew, you sit down to write your story mm-hmm. of the Savior of the world, the man that you love, your God, your King, Jesus, the Messiah, why do you start with a genealogy?
0: Well, it's for all the reasons that we've already said. Okay, We've said that genealogies communicate theology. So, in a sense, a genealogy can give you, like, a theological table of contents hmm. for what's to come in the book of Matthew. Oh. And so, can we talk some more about numbers so I can prove the point to you?
1: I Yeah, I guess so. You're going to have to come back to the other things genealogies do and why Matthew is using yeah, them. Yeah, so, yes. but one
0: thing, again, they're meant to communicate theology. Yep. And so, a genealogy functions like a theological table of contents for yep. what's to come. Yep. So, another way... To, so let's just get funky with the, the 3 times 14 for okay. a second. I'm in. Another way of saying 3 sets of 14 generations... Is 6 sets of 7? Is 6 sets of 7 generations. And 7, since the beginning of the Bible, is the number of like both creation mm-hmm. and rest. Right. So perhaps that means we're supposed to understand that Jesus is the firstborn son at the start of the 7th generation. Oh, because there
1: were six cycles of seven, so this is the seventh seven. Jesus begins the seventh seven. Which is the year of Jubilee.
0: He's the son of the Sabbath. He ends one era of history in the start of a new era of creation. And more than that, as you said, he's the seventh son of the seventh generation, a Jubilee Messiah. So Matthew has organized his history so that we would see Jesus as the Messiah who brings a Jubilee-style Rest, which means a lot of things, but the most iconic is the freedom of slavery yeah. and the return of Israel to their ancestral lands. So what is Jesus going to do? He's going to free Israel from this, from slavery to their sins, but also there will no longer be exiles. Mm. That's what he's come to do.
1: Yeah. So it's setting up why he's here and what he's here to do That's just right. by making him the beginning of the seventh set. Of yes. Seven. Yeah. And, and I guess the assumed continuation of that genealogy would be everyone born to Jesus That's will right. be sons and daughters of rest yeah, in the new creation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going a little bit out of order of my notes here, but one of the interesting things about this genealogy is that it has two references to brothers, the brothers of Jeconiah and the brothers of Judah. And so, unlike some of the other things we'll discuss, this genealogy actually points us forward like a table of contents to the rest of the book and the idea that brotherhood is a central theme of jesus's teaching in the book of matthew all of us are brothers and sisters of one another children of a common heavenly father not born by blood but by faith and obedience So in Matthew 12, 50, his brothers Mm -hmm. and his mother are waiting for Jesus outside of a house. Oh, right, yeah. And then what does Jesus say to them? Who Who are are my my true mothers and brothers? Mm -hmm. Those who do the will of my Father. We aren't supposed to be angry with our brothers in Matthew 5. We're supposed to remove the log from our own eye before we remove the speck out of our brother's brother's eye. eye. In Matthew 18, we're told how to approach a brother's sins. Matthew 18, we're told that God won't forgive give us our sins if we don't forgive our brothers Hmm. their sins uh we shouldn't call each other teacher or rabbi because we are all brothers wow so jesus's genealogy is telling us that we're all part of a common family too and we're all children of god right brothers to jesus just like you were saying
1: wow okay (laughs)
0: What are, are there any
1: other table of contents things in yes, here? Yes, there's so many oh more. Oh my <laughs> gosh!
0: So yeah, you want me to keep going? I, I mean,
1: you have to now. Um, just give me some highlights on what are what are the other things that are somehow hidden in this genealogy that are actually just a table um, of contents? I've got
0: three, uh, four more. Okay, four more table of contents type things All in right. the, hit the up, genealogy. Hit on. One is the king, the kingship of David. Like oh he, yes, we have being qualified for the task of priesthood Mm. so like genealogies can i said another thing genealogy does is qualify you for a task right so there's a whole bunch of priestly names in here Mm. that prove that jesus is qualified to do to that task
1: and you said that he's riffing off of chronicles which the peak Mm. of chronicles was the priesthood yeah and so he's like
0: jesus is the qualified priest there's also a whole bunch of women and gentiles in Mm. this which are significant for different reasons so let's go through them all. Okay. Right? But
1: but then also you said David.
0: Yes. So Dave, let's start with David. Okay. So uh, remember back a second ago, I said that some genealogies can be based around numbers Uh or names. Right. Or sometimes both. So in Genesis 46, the whole genealogy is based around the number seven. Okay. And the seventh name on that list is the name Gad. One of the sons of Jacob. Yep. Yep. And his, his... and in Hebrew, all letters have numerical values. Right. And the numerical value of the seventh name on the list is seven. So Gad equals seven. Gad equals seven. He's the seventh, seventh name of the list. He has seven sons. Oh my gosh. And at the end of the genealogy, we're told there are 70 people. Oh. <laughs> so like seven's important. Yeah. The whole genealogy. Matthew does the same thing, but with David. Okay. And he's already told us how to find it. He's told us the numerical framing device. Fourteen is fourteen. So who's the fourteenth name of the list?
1: I don't know. Is it David? It's David. I didn't even count, but it's I just. D- I'm guessing. It's, it's David. Okay.
0: And do you kn- and the numerical value of the name David is thirteen. Fourteen. <laughs> <laughs> I <was> so close. <laughs> You're so close. And David's name is mentioned three times.
1: Oh, because there's three sets of fourteen. There's three sets of fourteen. Uh, so so that's why like the double. Why, why is David's name listed mm-hmm. multiple times? Right. It's
0: because he's doing something cooler he's doing something than cooler. just
1: accidentally being redundant.
0: Right. <laughs> and so, Dave, who is David to Israel? He's the high point of Israel's history, and through the low point of his exile, his dynasty takes a dive. But in Jesus, a new David is ri- rising. Mm. A new messianic hope is rising in Jesus just as it rose in David. Mm. So, so there's... Like, the so, kingship of David is on the line. Okay, so hold on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so far,
1: we've said that Jesus is continuing the genealogy from Genesis, mm-hmm. showing us that the seed of the woman that will finally defeat the seed of the serpent is still going, Yep. and that the battle will finally be won in this person. Yeah. We've said that Jesus... He's recreating the world. He's recreating the world, right. Yeah. We've we said that Jesus is a, a qualified priest. Mm-hmm. That he is going to be able to represent a man to God. We haven't
0: gone deep in that yet, okay. but yes, that is one okay. of them.
1: And now we've said that he's a
0: qualified king qualified in king. the line of David. That's right. Okay. Uh, he's also the Jubilee Messiah. Oh, right. The coming ju- to get free us from slavery. <laughs> How can one genealogy um, do this many things? He's also a king, a historian who will judge the leaders of the past as not worthy of being his history. The way that he oh. cut out... Right, a habic line, a habic line
1: by by, uh, by skipping three and four generations. Yes. Okay, it's also
0: telling us that we are brothers with Jesus. Right, flagging that main theme throughout Matthew. Okay, and we can keep going. I mean, what about Abraham?
1: Oh, because he said, yeah, "This is the this is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, which we've covered, yes. the Son of Abraham." Yeah, which so, is where kind of the the Genesis story we uh, kind mm-hmm. of left off. We were was like, "Oh, here's the seed of the woman." So he's completing that. But there's more going on because Abraham was given a specific promise, just like David was. Mm -hmm. David was given a promise for an eternal dynasty that someone in his line, Mm -hmm. meaning this genealogy, would sit on his throne forever and rule the kingdom. But also Abraham was given a genealogical promise Mm -hmm. that through his seed, through his offspring, all the Gentiles, all the nations Mm -hmm. of the world would be blessed.
0: Yes, which is why Jesus' genealogy includes four women. Ah, So the four women in Jesus' genealogy, a couple of different things are happening. Uh, So on one level, it's the women Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, and Bathsheba. Hmm. And so... Heavy hitters. Heavy hitters. All people considered faithful women...
1: Yeah, definitely. ...in redemptive history. And many of them, if not all of them really deeply connected to keeping the genealogy alive.
0: Yes. They like so Tamar dresses up like a prostitute, right? Seduces her father-in-law to have his twin sons. Because
1: he would not he was like not going to carry on the line of Judah, right? That's right. Yeah.
0: Rahab is an actual prostitute, but she hides Israelite spies to give them away into their ancestral land,
1: thus possibly
0: preserving the entirety of Israel. Yes. Ruth is a Moabite mm. and through Naomi through Naomi provides the descendant of King David right and then Bathsheba is another woman uh, who David abuses his power on but through her the messianic line does continue wow so it's so a couple different things are interesting here one is why these women in particular Mm -hmm. so we've already hinted at the answer well they're all Gentiles right are they yes well maybe so here's here's here's, we'll get to that But first why these women why not more faithful women why not Sarah? Why not Rachel? Why not Abigail? Why women who all have some kind of morally problematic story surrounding the birth of their mm. sons, right? Or well, th- their just their sexuality in general, right? Tamar dresses up like a prostitute and seduces her father-in-law. Right. That's weird. Yeah, Rahab is a prostitute, but mm. father's Boaz. Or Ruth, wait, no. Um, Rahab. He, Wait, Rahab fathers Boaz? Yeah. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I forgot that. Right. That sounded wrong. And but then Boaz right. marries Ruth, Ruth, another foreigner, a oh Moabite. And her story is really interesting. We talked about this a long time it ago. Did, yeah. She's pretty aggressive in her pursuit of Boaz. Yeah. She's the one who proposes marriage, so much so that people think she might have done something untoward yeah. in how she approached him. I um, mean, then Bathsheba obviously was abused mm-hmm. by David and became pregnant that way. So, yeah. like, why have all these women who have children with some sort of moral gray area yeah, around in the pregnancy something
1: tinged? And usually, and and or pretty much all of them, like nothing to speak against the women, right? Like they're usually the victim or they're the hero.
0: I yes. So I think they're in here because they're supposed to help you prepare for the fifth woman in the oh, genealogy? Mary. Mary. Whoa. Uh, all of these women had children born to them in circumstances that could have been communicated as immoral oh, right. I'm, or scandalous. Yes. Yeah, Tamar was almost burned to death. Right. But all these women point to Mary, mm. who lived her entire life being accused of having a premarital affair in order to have Jesus. Oh my gosh. Yes. So despite their supposed immorality, the people of Israel have, have accepted these women as virtues and paragons of faith. Right. And so now they should not reject Mary or the Messiah because of another story of potential sexual immorality.
1: Right. That is incredible. Isn't that
0: fascinating?
1: I just, I again, I said it, I said it before. <laughs> How can one genealogy do this much work?
0: Right. It's so artfully it's crafted. doing so much work. Yeah. And then, we've already hinted at it, but they're all, in some way or another... Gentiles are closely associated with being Gentiles. Right, because like
1: Bathsheba was married to a Gentile.
0: Yeah, so Tamar
1: is interesting. Mm -hmm. She
0: is possibly a Canaanite. Right. But we don't know that. We never talked about that
1: back in the Genesis podcast years ago.
0: We're never told her ethnicity. Right, we know Rahab is. We know Ruth is. Yeah, we know they're both foreigners. As you said, Bathsheba is a is in the household of a Gentile. Right. A Hittite, right? A Hittite. Yeah, yeah, which, by the way, is one of those names in the first genealogy that should set off alarm bells. Oh yeah. It was a Sidonian, a Jebusite, and a Hittite, the yeah. third born son of one of the original of baddies. Right. Yeah. So it's like, oh gosh, why are these why are Gentiles yeah. in Jesus' family tree? And then we've already hinted at it. You're skipping over
1: kingly Jews to include Yeah. Like
0: gentiles yes. what's going on here yeah he, and so i think what you're supposed to see that jesus in his own bloodline is including people that are not ethnically jewish mm. because he's going to be the sabbath king for all people yeah he's going to bring jubilee for all nations he's going to bring uh be the king for every people tribe and tongue like right. that's and i think that one's probably pretty obvious i think a lot of people are familiar with that mm-hmm. one but it's still Super significant. And to go back to the point that started all this, that proves Abraham's promises are coming true.
1: Right. That all nations of the world will be
0: blessed. Because in Jesus, they will be blessed. Right. He's the son of mixed blood, right? Yeah. And he will save all people. Mm. Do you have anything
1: else in that bag of tricks over there? I do have uh, <laughs> one more. Uh, one more. Okay, uh, I think it, I have. I, I think me and everyone else have room for one more. Uh, the I'm final
0: ready. final thing to flag in the table of contents that is, uh, the genealogy is that a genealogy can function as a qualifier for a specific task. Right. And so, a true king of Israel, yep, would be the of David. Yep. But a true priest of Israel mm-hmm. had to be to that? descended of Aaron. Or Zadok, either one. Okay, or Melchizedek. Um, no, I'm well, just kidding. I'm yeah, kidding. yeah I'm kidding. We'll, we'll get there eventually. <laughs> so Matthew spends a good amount of time proving that Jesus has a priestly lineage of some kind as well. Hmm. So there's a name in here called Abihood, or I don't quite know how to pronounce Abihud. it. Abihud, perhaps. And that's a variation on Abijah, which was the name of one of Aaron's sons. Zadok is also mentioned here. Eleazar, another one of Aaron's sons, is also mentioned here. Mm. And they're all in that back half, that the, the furthest to and towards Jesus' birth. Mm. So what's interesting there is like not necessarily of the priestly line of Aaron. Mm-hmm. Reminiscent of, reminds you of, makes you think about the priestly line of Aaron. Right. But are they? Dis- it's not quite yeah, clear. It's not a clear-cut line. But regardless of whether they're actual descendants or not, Matthew intends you to think priest, 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 every time you read those names Mm. who are closely associated with the priesthood. Right. Zadok, Eleazar, Abihud. Yeah. So that means that when Jesus comes, he isn't just a king who's going to rule and bring Sabbath rest for all people, but he's a priest king. Right. Who's going to preside over his kingdom's relationship with their God and provide a way for his people to be right with his their god too.
1: Yeah. And that's how he's the Messiah, the savior. Yeah,
0: he's all of those hopes.
1: Yeah. In one. <laughs> okay. Man, that I I literally I and I've studied this passage and I I studied the the Genesis genealogies quite a bit. Yeah. But I did not know was that much going on in
0: this it's fairly thick and i want to shout out immediately and always dr Mm -hmm. peter lightheart yeah um we've been working through his work on the book of matthew and a lot of what we're talking about here is just taken from his book Mm -hmm. um he's the inspiration for this next phase of what we're trying to do here is like how did how did matthew read his old testament Mm -hmm. this is how he read his old testament it's all pointing to jesus the messiah the priest king who had come to include Gentiles and prepare a way for the shame of his mother to be reversed, like it was for Tamar. And that's incredible. Bring Jubilee for all slaves and bring people back to their ancestral lands and judge the kings of the earth who are not worthy of being included in God's family tree. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay.
1: As we land the plane here, let me ask you this question. We, we started the podcast this way by saying, Let's try to see what the New Testament authors, specifically Matthew, can do to teach us how to read our Old Testament. What do you think Matthew is doing here in giving us this genealogy that's not only, as we've seen, showing us who Jesus is, Mm -hmm. right? How is he teaching us to read the Old Testament too? Mm -hmm. What tools has he put in our tool belt? And what perspective is he trying to put on our eyes that can equip us to go back into the old Testament and read it better. I guess specifically Mm -hmm. when we're reading genealogies. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean the, the most basic one is don't just gloss over them. Yeah.
1: Like you've seen what one can do. Yeah.
0: Like they're (laughs) doing heavy lifting if you would pay attention. Mm -hmm. So go deep in the genealogies and you'll find a lot of wisdom and truth and hope. And and in Jesus's genealogy, like, prophecies about what he will do in the future not just who he's descended from but the hopes that this kind of person might bring and all that's included in the genealogies that you'll see in genesis and wherever else so take the time to study it is the first thing he's telling us
1: yeah i'm thinking like the other thing i'm learning here and i think that matthew's highlighting is that there is this these so many of these connected threads through scripture that he's showing in this truncated genealogy Mm -hmm. that he's saying, do you see how one generation talks to the next, how one epoch talks to the next, Mm -hmm. how one book talks to the next, that they are telling this cohesive Mm -hmm. story that is all pushing you toward Mm -hmm. this place of the seventh seven, the Jesus, you know, that that came to bring rest. So I'm thinking about that too. I mean,
0: yeah, think about that is Matthew, has rearranged the history of God's people from Mm. Abraham to Jesus in three sets of 14 generations with this kind of like thrumming, throbbing energy of hope. Mm. Something is coming, a King is coming, one who uniting Jew and Gentile, fulfilling Abraham's hope is coming. Someone who is coming who will fulfill Sabbath rest. Like he is just, there's all this redemptive historical energy in matthew's genealogy because he saw all that redemptive hope in his bible mm-hmm. like in his old testament right he was reading it knowing that this story doesn't end with the hopelessness mm. of slavery it doesn't end with the hopelessness of exile it doesn't end when david murders uriah and mm. abuses bathsheba those are the stories ends for god's people yeah god's doing something through all of israel's history and it's all pointed at jesus yeah
1: that's cool Okay. We'll probably keep asking that question as we try to take Matthew on as a hermeneutical teacher trying to show us how to read the Bible, but I'll try to keep asking that question. Yeah. But All right. We hope this has been helpful for you guys. This has blown my mind. Cannot wait to continue with the birth of Jesus next time.
0: Yeah? Which uh, parallels the story of Joseph being born at the end of Genesis and the Exodus narratives. All
1: right. Well, that'll be fun. Yeah. So make sure you join us next week as we continue throughout the book of Matthew, thank you for your time. Thank you for your your listening and Seth, thank you for all the, the work and guiding us through all this. It's been so good. My pleasure. All right, we'll see you guys next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel creates short films, devotionals and podcasts like this one. Everything we make is free because of generous supporters like you. To see our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thanks for listening. See you next week.